Hello, and welcome to the Sam Knows Podcast. I'm Barry Collins. In the first episode of this two-part podcast, I spoke with Wade Bulio, one of the lucky few who has been accepted onto Starlink's beta testing program. He told us how, living in a remote part of Canada, Starlink's satellite broadband had made an enormous difference to the speed of his home connection, and even allowed him to participate in activities such as online gaming for the first time. The performance of Wade's connection is being monitored around the clock by Sam Knows Technology. So how does Starlink compare to the satellite providers that have gone before? How impressive are those latency figures? And what does the future hold for Starlink and its growing list of emerging rivals? To answer these questions and more, I caught up with Sam Knows founder and Chief Technology Officer, Sam Crawford, to get his expert insight into Starlink's performance. So Sam, we heard from Wade earlier how Starlink was a massive improvement upon his previous LTE connection, but from the data that Sam knows has collected, how much an improvement is it upon other satellite broadband providers? It's very significant. Uh, we can see from our statistics that we've collected from, from Wade's white box that he's getting, uh, or the vast majority of his measurements are between 50 megabits and 150 megabits, which is multiples of what you get on a uh, existing generation satellite service. Uh, but more importantly than that is the, is the latency, or, or rather the reduction in latency. Uh, I think we see uh, around 72% of the, uh, the latency measurements of the nearest test server were below 50 milliseconds. And that's roughly a that's more than 10 times better or more than 10 times faster than you receive over a traditional satellite service. And that's been the big drawback for satellite in the past, hasn't it? Latency. It stops you doing stuff like this, where we're talking to one another without a big delay. It stops you doing online gaming. Are the, things, are the figures you're seeing from Starlink, do they suggest that those kind of activities are going to be possible? Well, I think it's worth putting some of this in context first. When we first started looking at broadband measurements back in 2008, 2009, um, satellite services were very much available at that time as well, um, usually as a uh, provider of, of last resort in some really rural areas. Um, and generally speaking, the latency then was in, a, in, in excess of 1,000 milliseconds. Um, so that's one second for each um, round trip for a single packet to go to you, to the, uh, the server you're talking to, and to come back to you. So that's really, really a long time. Uh, newer generations of satellite have come along since then. So in the past uh, four or five years, that latency has dropped to 600 milliseconds. So it's it's already it's almost halved in the um, in the 10 years we've been working on this. Uh, but and aside from that, satellite um, existing satellite operators go to great lengths to ensure that um, uh, the latency won't impact users too much. So for example, they put various types of optimizations in their modem in order to um, terminate TCP connections there early and, um, uh, and then uh, basically compress data on the backhaul um, and well, all other kinds of techniques they put inside their modems to basically hide the latency. Uh, and some of it has, um, uh, yields big improvements and some of it um, some of it less so obviously for, for things like 
uh, we're doing right now, uh, like vo- real-time voice communications or gaming communications, you can't hide that. You can't um, mm-hmm. you can't really improve that. Uh, so some of the previous techniques they used were very useful for uh, for web browsing, which is very much one-way consuming content. But for real-time activities, it's just never really been a suitable medium. Um, existing satellite services have never been a suitable medium for those kinds of applications. Uh, but of course, with the advent of um, uh, Starlink, uh, then it certainly now is a viable option for uh, for real time services, um, such as the voice call we're on right now and, and online gaming. Uh, the latency, typical latency we're seeing, um, which is as I mentioned. Uh, the vast majority of measurements below 50 milliseconds, that's better than lots of terrestrial um, you know, fixed-line DSL services in rural areas, frankly. Uh, yeah. So, so yes, that's absolutely good enough for um, uh, for services like this. Um, the consistency is will be the um, uh, will be the main hurdle that they have to overcome um, because that's what people, particularly in rural areas, will be um, will be concerned about as well. And, you know, people do get hung up on latency for online gaming and stuff, but it actually does make a difference to web page load times as well. You mentioned that the, the satellite providers have done stuff to work around that in the past, but this is, we can see this is going to make a big difference to page load times as well. Yes. Uh, and, well, just as a bit of backstory here, um, when you move beyond around 15 megabits per second or around 20 megabits per second, then your actual uh, download speed is not the dominating factor in determining how um, how fast web pages load. Latency then becomes the dominating factor. So it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you're, so to put this in other terms, if you're on a 20 megabit fiber connection, and uh, you have a 200 megabit fiber connection, so 10 times as fast, uh, right next door to it, if you have the the same latency on both connections, then you're not likely to notice any real difference between um, uh, between loading those web pages on those two those two services. Uh, however, if you were to change the if you were to reduce the latency on the 20 megabit connection, then you're likely to see it's actually faster than the, um, the 200 megabit connection. Latency does start to dominate. Uh, web page loading times. And the reason for that is that there's just so many round trips on a typical web page. So a typical web page is comprised of HTML, CSS, JavaScript, other assets like uh, well, images, videos nowadays. Um, so sometimes some web pages require uh, fetching of uh, dozens or sometimes hundreds of uh, objects. And each one of those is effectively a round trip, which is a request and a series of responses. Uh, every request requires at least your um, uh, your your latency, your inherent latency, in order to make the request and to retrieve the response. So you can see how, after hundreds of requests, your latency starts to become a very um, big factor. Now, in terms of um, uh, Starlink, we're seeing uh, a typical response time being uh, for a web page being much, much, much faster. So um, existing satellite providers uh, were somewhere you know, upwards of um, you know, 20, 25 seconds for mm-hmm. uh, to fetch a uh, fetch a web page, a fairly complicated web page, granted. Um, Starlink is um, uh, typically around 10 seconds for that um, for that same very complicated web page, uh, and it can be much faster on uh, simpler web pages as well. It's easy for us to get carried away with the performance of a network when it's 
in its early stages when there's only a few thousand users on board. How wary do we need to be about getting carried away with these figures and the potential for them starting to degrade as more people join the service? I don't think we need to be worried yet, uh, but obviously it is a concern. Uh, so that's why, well, I'll toot my own horn here. That's why uh, it's important to uh, to monitor the ongoing performance of all of these services, particularly as they're rolling out and, uh, and gaining traction. Um, so monitoring the ongoing performance and, uh, as I mentioned earlier, the reliability or consistency, I think, are going to be key here. We've already seen in the press just in the past uh, past week or so, I think, um, some others in the, or some of their some of Starlink's competitors in the industry start to uh, already spread um, some fear, uncertainty, and doubt over the uh, the scalability of, of Starlink's platform. But uh, I guess uh, we'll have to see how that um, how that bears out. What's your hunch over the long term future for Starlink? Do you think this is going to be a a sort of niche satellite provider for those people who can't get fibre, or do you think they're looking for a more mainstream product to rival the fibre broadband providers? For the time being, it's going to continue to be a, or satellite, including Starlink, will continue to be a um, a provider of last resort, effectively. So you will uh-huh. get this if you can't get something better. Um, so, but in, in lots of areas, surprisingly, even in some fairly modern developments, sometimes you can still only get fairly poor, slow DSL. So some people might be might be very interested in um, in exactly that kind of service. But I think you're you're going to be hard pushed to beat um, uh, the latency and, crucially, the reliability of uh, a fixed line services for quite some time to come. Um, maybe over time, over the next uh, over years, as um, Starlink's uh, both its satellite coverage and its ground station coverage as well. Remember, both are key. Um, okay. As that um, as that penetration increases, then maybe it will start to um, uh, start start to rival the very least fiber to the um, fiber to the cabinet style services uh, for both performance and reliability. Finally, Sam, Starlink isn't going to have it its own way for for too long. We know that Amazon are out there; they've got uh, their own launches looming in the next year or so. What are your thoughts on the two richest men in the world going head to head in a broadband space? <laughs> I think it will be uh, it will certainly be fun to watch, and uh, well, <laughs> yeah, I'm keen to see how it plays out. I oh, I wouldn't like to take uh, take bets on um, on who's going to who's going to come out on top, but obviously it's a big enough market for uh, for multiple. And Starlink certainly have quite a significant lead. They've been developing this um, uh, technology, and they've launched these first satellites years ago. Um, and they've already moved on to uh, much more advanced satellites. Um, with uh, using uh, lasers to communicate directly between the satellites themselves as backhaul. Um, mm-hmm. And then lastly, don't forget, we've also got um, uh, you and I, as uh, British citizens, we're effectively stakeholders in um, in another satellite uh, broadband company called OneWeb, uh, yep. who, the, uh, who the British government bought um, what, about a year or so ago. But um, I can't imagine they're going to be rivaling um, uh, Starlink or Amazon anytime soon. That's it for this episode of the Sam Knows Podcast. If you missed our first episode talking to Wade about his experience on the Starlink Beta, make sure to give it a listen. Until next time, thanks for listening. Listening.